Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. A special note. We hope that Good Friday was very meaningful for all who celebrate it. We also hope your Easter celebration or Resurrection Sunday celebration is equally meaningful and joyful. Be of good cheer, for He has risen. He has risen indeed. May you all be blessed of God. Our last episode was Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 2, posted on April 2nd. In that episode, we learned Simon, or Simon Magus, was probably a Jew or a Samaritan who had addicted himself to the arts of magic. Remember, this is not sleight of hand we today call magic. Simon Magus was known for being a magician who had learned diabolical arts. Simon Magus also used enchantments and divinations as Balaam and the magicians of Egypt. Simon Magus also bewitched the people of Samaria. He astonished them with the strange feats he performed, which were so unheard of and unaccountable that they were thrown into an ecstasy and rapture. For us today, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 gives us help to know what to do when such issues befall us. It reads, So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. For us today, we are given some how-to in our Bible to deal with such a thing. Remember, what happens when the light shines? To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 2. This week, our study is titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 3. Our study scripture reads, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. These two went down and prayed for them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on the Samarians, and they received the Holy Spirit. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. We can see this order is different than what we have already learned. Previously, we learned this order was, 1. 
hearing and believing the Word. 2. Then receiving the Holy Spirit. 3. Then becoming baptized. Yet, in this week's study passage, we learn that the Samaritans are first baptized and then receive the Holy Spirit, this time by the laying on of hands. This means that the first and primary thing is that one must hear and believe in Christ before receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and water baptism can happen. It is also acceptable that after hearing and believing in Christ, one can also be baptized by water first and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will discuss this a bit more when we come to it. Our examination starts in verse 14, which reads, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The apostles deputed two of their number, meaning to appoint and send with a special commission or authority to transact business in another's name. Continuing, the apostles deputed two of their number. This shows conclusively that there was no chief or ruler among them. They acted as being equal in authority. The reason why they sent them was, probably, that there would be a demand for more labor than Philip could render. A church was to be founded, which required their presence, and it was important that they should be present to organize it and to build it up. The harvest had occurred in Samaria, of which the Savior spoke, and it was proper that they should enter into it. In times of revival, there is often more to be done than can be done by the regular pastor of a people, and it is proper that he should be aided from abroad. From Barnes' New Testament Notes This was how birthing a church was done in a time of limited people and resources. Today, we can see when a church body is growing large enough that a new church needs to be birthed. We start raising up a new pastor and other leaders in this anticipation. That raising up is a training period where people are given tools to do the new work a second church will do. We raise up the new pastor with the new body first, as an assistant pastor to the present pastor. This assistant pastor is trained and shares in pastoral duties. Leadership is brought along in the same way. When the new pastor and the leadership team is ready, a church split happens and a new church is born. Even some attendees go with the new pastor and leadership to provide a body of attendees. New people will come also. Verse 15 reads, these two went down and prayed for them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Notice how the work is enacted. One prays for another so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. This needs to be learned since there is no other way for one to acquire his power demonstrated through 
the inaction of spiritual gifts. This only happens if we humble ourselves by asking God to do this work in another person, male or female. They sought at the hand of God the extraordinary communications of the Holy Spirit. They did not even pretend to have the power of doing it without the aid of God. From Barnes New Testament Notes Notice this comment that many in America can learn from. They did not even pretend to have the power of doing it without the aid of God. This right here tells us we do not possess the ability and power to bring down the Holy Spirit into another person. We can only pray and believe that God will do it and the Holy Spirit will come and fall on another. It also shows that we do not control nor possess the spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. So far, in this study, we have seen the gift of speaking another human language, physical healing, and the casting out of evil, controlling spirits. Those three items alone are a great thing worthy of praise to God. Digging deeper, they had been born of water and the Spirit, but had not received the baptism of the Spirit, which conferred miraculous powers. This was bestowed by apostolic prayer and the laying on of hands. I suppose, not on all, but on those selected for teachers and preachers among the Samaritans. Plumtree states, the prayer clearly pointed to such a power of the Holy Spirit as had been bestowed on Pentecost. And Calvin writes, Luke speaks not of the common grace of the Holy Spirit, but of the singular gifts with which God would have certain endowed at the beginning of the gospel. From the People's New Testament We need to note something. One can be born again, then find themselves born of water and the Spirit, but without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what the People's New Testament commentary passage told us. When we are born again, we also have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. This is analogous to a human child being born of human parents. Then the parents take their child to church to be baptized. However, what we are talking about is a spiritual version of this with regard to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. One sign of this baptism is showing one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as speaking a language of the world you have never studied to speak, such as we have read that our apostles have done. Imagine suddenly being able to speak French, completely, without ever studying the French language. This is the type of miraculous happening that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is also just one of the many gifts of the Holy Spirit.
for the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 16. One of the things we know is that God is everywhere. He is in buildings. He is in all of the great outdoors. He is even in outer space. So, the question is raised. Why does the Holy Spirit need to come down and fall on human beings to do the work he does if he is already present in God's children? We can find that answer here. He was fallen. This expression is several times applied to the Holy Spirit. It does not differ materially from the common expression, quote, the Holy Ghost descended, end quote. It means that he came from heaven, and the expression to fall applied to his influence denotes the rapidity and suddenness of his coming. From Barnes' New Testament Notes They had received him as a spirit of illumination and sanctification, and as a spirit of conversion and faith, they had been regenerated, enlightened, and sanctified by him, and were converted by him, and brought to believe in Christ, and live, by faith upon him. They were baptized believers, and no more, as yet none of them had gifts qualifying them for the ministry, and still less could any of them speak with tongues, or prophecy, or work miracles. The Holy Ghost had not yet descended on them for such purposes. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All as yet appeared in them was that they were believers in Christ and had been baptized in his name upon a profession of their faith. And more than this, they had been called to or qualified for. The word, quote, only, end quote, does not respect the form of baptism, as if they had been baptized only in the name of Christ whereas they were doubtless baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, but refers to baptism itself, which was the only ordinance as yet administered to them. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible In Samaria, by the laying on of hands of the apostles Peter and John, the connection between the believers in Jerusalem and Samaria is sealed and the believing Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit. This avoids the idea of two separate churches, one Jewish and one Samaritan. By the laying on of hands, there is unity and acceptance. There is no mention of externally perceptible accompanying phenomenon as was the case with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. From King Comment's Commentary on the Whole Bible So, as you can see, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is a very real thing 
to be enjoyed by all of God's children. To dispel American arguments, let us look closer to understand properly about this much-argued event that happens in a believer's life. He was fallen does not differ materially from the common expression, quote, the Holy Ghost descended, end quote, or, quote, the Holy Spirit descended, end quote. He came from heaven, and the expression to fall applied to his influences denotes the rapidity and suddenness of his coming. This expressly and even passionately speaks of the Holy Spirit showing evidence in a person so fast it denotes the rapidity and suddenness of the Holy Spirit's greater presence as evidenced by a human doing things no human can do on their own. Notice John Gill's comment. As yet, none of them had gifts qualifying them for the ministry, and still less could any of them speak with tongues or prophecy or work miracles. The Holy Ghost had not yet descended on them for such purposes. Here is what we really need to notice. As yet, none of them had gifts qualifying them for the ministry. As you can see by this comment, having the gifting of the Holy Spirit is not something everyone needs to have. Gifts of the Holy Spirit qualify us for ministry. If all you want to do is sit on the sidelines while others step out and get involved with the Word of God through His Holy Spirit, then you can without feeling bad about it. No one should criticize you for doing so. This is confirmed in commentary we just read. All as yet appeared in them was that they were believers in Christ and had been baptized in his name upon a profession of their faith. They were doubtless baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, but refers to baptism itself which was the only ordinance as yet administered to them. This meaning a baptism of water, and not by the Holy Spirit as we are examining. King Comet's commentary helps us further. In Samaria, by the laying on of hands of the apostles Peter and John, the connection between the believers in Jerusalem and Samaria is sealed, and the believing Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit. This avoids the idea of two separate churches, one Jewish and one Samaritan. By the laying on of hands, there is unity and acceptance. One thing we already touched on in the fact that God is recreating on earth the one church we would all be members of had Adam and Eve not sinned and caused mankind to fall into sinful behavior. When we get to heaven and are in our new sinless bodies, Jews, Catholics, Gentiles, Protestants, and all sects of today's people 
will be one in God. Such identifying names will one day be useless as this part of us today. The reason is, such a thing will not be needed anymore. We all will be one body of people once again. Notice also, among those in Samaria, who are not Jewish, there is no mention of externally perceptible accompanying phenomenon as was the case with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Remember, all those at Pentecost were Jewish. As we have learned, the Samaritans are first water baptized and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this time by the laying on of hands. We have also concluded that it is acceptable that after hearing and believing in Christ, one can also be baptized by water first and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The act of praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit can also be done by the laying on of hands or not. While not specifically stated, it is implied that the laying on of hands is done with Gentile people and not with Jewish people. However, there is not even enough on this specific subject to better examine it to learn something. If, in fact, there is anything to learn outside of what may have been in the day. Hopefully, this stills much of the arguing I have heard on this entire subject. The more time God's people spend arguing about how something is done, whether it should be done at all, is only wasted time. Using religious boundaries such as Jew and Gentile and defending such boundaries is obviously a waste of time, no matter who you are and how you believe. It is time for God's people to make a difference in this world. Folks, let's get to work. Next week, we will look at the Samaritans as we examine our study titled Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 4, the final part in this series. This is an interesting passage also. We will learn that Simon Magus wants to buy, with money, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why would anyone saved in Christ as it may appear that Simon Magus was, even think that such spiritual gifts could be purchased after what we just studied. Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, 
and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at our new address, https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched our mobile tablet and desktop compliant website has more information links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item we are found on podcast platforms like itunes Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.